I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. We are back once again to prepare for another glorious weekend of NFL football. And of course, I say we because as always, I am joined by my co-host, the ImportantNonsense.com redraft specialist. It's at that FF nerd. It's Jason Draven. Ooh, it's me. How's it going? Fantastic, Jason. How are you today? I'm... Uh... Pretty excited. Uh, more excited than that game last night, which, wow, that was rough. There's a lot of bad football on both sides. But before we get into that, Jason is here, as always, to help me recap the Thursday night. But that's not all he's here for. He's also here to help us break down the news, which we're going to get to. And most importantly, his start-sit column, the start-sit guru of important nonsense. So make sure you're following him everywhere at that FF nerd because you got to hear his takes. But it's not just Jason this week. I have called in the reinforcements because it is a lot to keep Jason under control. I know he has some wildly bad hot takes. And so it's true. I'm sorry. I can't help it. And so because of that fact, Jason, because you do that, I had to call in backup. And this week it is the return of at Donald McJordan. It's Jordan McDonald. Jordan, how are you? It is an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. Glad to be back, Jack. Jason, how are you doing? I'm here. I'm ready for some football recap and getting into the show. Pretty Absolutely. pumped. Absolutely. I. Uh, it's been a couple wild weeks since uh, since I've been on the pod. So, you know, let's uh, let's get into it and let's hope that uh, we can wake up with football on Sunday. <laughs> All right, let's go. Don't forget to follow Jordan at donald mcjordan because the man deserves all the all, deserves the follow for all the hard work he puts in at importantnonsense.com and most importantly he deserves it because jason like i said a lot to handle so he's going to help me steer the ship and with that we steer right into another classic edition of thursday night football i say classic because it was kind of a bad game unfortunately those this game did take place in chicago so the ship we're talking about is metaphorical instead of in tampa where they have the literal pirate ship and i'm kind of stalling because I don't want to talk about this game because the Bears are now 4-1 and one after defeating the Buccaneers 20-19. to 19. Terrible. Nick Foles completed 71.4% of his passes against the Bucs, but no, by no means was he good at all. 5.8 yards per attempt. That would be tied with Carson Wentz for 33rd out of 34 quarterbacks. One touchdown to Jimmy Graham, which helped no one at all, and he had an interception. So Nick Foles, definitively bad, but he was good enough to get the win and good enough to get Allen Robinson 10 receptions and 90 yards. So that's all we can ask for as fantasy gamers, really. Yeah, and uh, I was kind of... Surprised to see, well, I want to say surprised because he's starting to come on a little bit more. But Darnell Mooney, shout out to Doctor Dynasty, has been has been hyping this guy for a, lot, a few couple few weeks. Has he taken over the wide receiver two role in Chicago? Anthony Miller is really nowhere to be seen. His production is wildly down. I know that it has been down with Trubisky as a quarterback, but Foles coming in, I was kind of optimistic. Yeah, and I brought it up last week as somebody that I was high on. I mean, I've been impressed with him seeing him get more and more snaps, seeing his usage. And if Foles had any kind of long ball, could throw it at all, Mooney would have easily had two touchdowns. It's just so frustrating to watch 
Foles throw up these ducks and just, uh, I so impressive that he had only picked off once last night because, wow. And for some reason, Jimmy Grandpa is getting targets, <laughs> and I don't understand. Oh, Jimmy Grandpa. It is sad, but it is true. So I am going to say back to the original point, Darnell Mooney, because I don't want to talk about Jimmy Graham. Yes to Darnell Mooney. He played 65.1% of the snaps and 70.8% of passing plays, whereas Miller, only 41% of the total snaps, 43.8% of the passing plays. So even though Mooney only caught two of his five targets for 15 yards, targeted downfield several several times, including what would have been at least a 53-yard touchdown from Nick Foles. I don't know if he scores on a second deep ball, but he, he had an ADOT of 18.2. He's going long. He's going deep. Eventually, it's going to be a big boom week for Darnell Mooney. Very excited to see that. Where on the other hand, Miller caught for all four of his targets, just 28 yards and a 5.25 ADOT. So there's really not that much upside at all with Anthony Miller anymore. Wrapping up the Bears, though, we do have David Montgomery. 10 carries, 29 yards, and 23 of them came after contact because this offensive line is terrible, but he did catch seven balls from Nick Foles and added another 30 yards on those. Really great sign for Demo's usage going forward, especially with Tariq Cohen out. And Cordero Patterson is kind of the new Tariq Cohen, playing around 11 snaps in the backfield, one in the slot, and three out wide. And like you brought up, man, Cordero Patterson just isn't being used enough. I don't understand. I think you can't use him in fantasy, but man... Maybe in the right matchup, he could use him as a flyer and hope that he's able to bring back one of those kick returns because he looked electric there. But like you said, Monty has really shown that he can handle that role, and I just hope he continues to keep rolling. Yeah, at this point, I think we can agree that he did lose the weight. He is making the plays himself. It's just the offensive line is terrible. It's doing him no favors. I do think David Montgomery is an RB2 going forward. Excited about that passing game usage, especially. Done with the Bears, though, thankfully. Other side of the ball, Bucks. not a pretty day at all for Tom Brady. Sacked three times. Are you sure it wasn't four? <laughs> oh, no, it was not fourth down. It was <laughs> not four sacks. Three sacks, completed just 61% of his passes, 253 yards, and just the one touchdown to Mike Evans. And Mike Evans ended the day, five receptions, 41 yards, and a score. So out, now he's on pace for 71 receptions, only 100, 868 yards, but he's going to be on pace for 19 touchdowns because he just gets fed in the red zone. Absolutely wild, as was the debut of Minnesota's Tyler Johnson. So I'm going to take the victory lap there, Jason. Remember when he told me he was never going to be a thing this season? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he caught four of his five targets, 61 yards, 82% of the routes. Fantastic game from him. And Scotty Miller, on the other hand, goose egg, 70% of the snaps and not targeted once. Poor one out for Scotty Miller. Instead, we got I don't understand that, though. Like, he was open on so many of those plays, and Brady was just looking for all of his tight ends, it seemed. I could yeah, not believe it. It was, it was the tight end show. Like you said, he was looking for the tight ends constantly. 15 targets to the tight ends. Tanner wow. Hudson, one of four for nine yards, but it appears he's got the OJ Howard, Howard vertical rope, eight out of 17 and a half yards. So he's got the boom weeks are coming for him if they can ever hook up on those. Meanwhile, Cameron Brait, five of six for 44. Would have much rather seen those go, go to Scotty Miller, wouldn't you, Jason? Yeah, that's an understatement. And I. I could have sworn at one point Gronk literally stole a ball out of Miller's hands. It looked like a pass was on fire to him, and he just snatched it out of the air. I was so frustrating. Oh, and speaking of, Gronk is back. 
The longest reigning 24-7 champion in WWE history caught three of five balls, 52 yards. Average 17.3 yards a catch. So Jordan, is Gronk back and ready to roll in our lineups? Has he ever this season been ready to roll in our lineups? Like no, absolutely not. The production was was pretty good, like a PPR eight point two points. But there is a chance with OJ Howard out that Gronkowski can see a lot more targets. I would kind of wait and see. He's a he seems like a good flyer at this point, but it's hard to trust him when we haven't really seen anything this year. Especially when Chris Godwin is going to come back at some point, Justin Watson is going to come back at some point, and now Tyler Johnson has emerged, and we still have Scotty. So yeah. Do not trust Gronk. This was an aberration. And in the backfield, Leonard Fournette didn't see a single touch. He was only there in an emergency role. Did see the field for the first half kneel down, so good for him getting on the field for that. Keyshawn Vaughn, on the other hand, had no carries and fumbled on one of his two receptions, so he's going back to the bench. I think we're Bruce Arians done with the rookie. And once again, Ronald Jones topped 100 yards on the ground, second week in a row. And in the last two games with Fournette out, 300 or 37 carries for 217 yards. And I, I might have to take the L on Ronald Jones guys, but I'm holding out hope for one more game because Leonard Fournette has 10 days to heal and gets the Packers. So this is one last chance for me to be right about uncle Len and for you to be wrong about Ronald Jones. I mean, I don't think you're wrong on Leonard Fournette, but man, Jones has looked good. I am partying so hard because I was pumped for him. I got really nervous when they activated Fournette before the game. Like, what are you doing? Just let Jones roll this week. But he was able to be very useful. And I think Fournette has a chance just because Jones is struggling to catch the ball still. Vaughn had that issue, but Jones is just still not good. He does he does seem that he has improved, but not somebody I would trust. I think Fournette is still having a great shot here to potentially steal that job. Our final piece of Bucks news is Vita Vea suffered a season-ending broken ankle during the game. And the Bucks run D has been dominant so far this season and last season as well. So that could be a big impact for opposing running backs. Keep an eye on that. But with this game now in the rearview mirror, both defenses off the board. Jason, what defenses are you targeting for week five? Man, it's the Chiefs. They're going up against the Raiders. They always seem to have a rough go at it. And they both teams seem to struggle, it seems, for at least part of the game. And without Ruggs and Edwards, I just could not see them start, the Chiefs having to, any real issues and being able to handle Carr again this week. So don't feel good about it. But the Cowboys are also going up against the Giants, who have been struggling, and Jones continues to turn the ball over. So I think that's another good option for you. Cowboys could end up getting to the quarterback and racking up points that way. Yeah, it does seem like a proven game for the Cowboys. Uh, that defense has struggled mightily. They've had, I wouldn't say high ex- expectations, but we hoped that they would have, you know, some games where they would show some some sort of effort. So if Daniel Jones breaks out in this game, I personally am going to fade the Cowboys for the rest of the season. I don't know about you guys. They do play in the NFC East, so anything is possible. So if you're playing the Cowboys defense this week, good luck. But it is tough. I, I thought about it, but I just couldn't, I couldn't force myself to do it. Yeah, and that's my feeling on it too. I just, I don't trust it. But again, throwing them out there because I know that they're, Probably the most available one. So, and I guess maybe again, Seahawks, they get the Vikings, which isn't the best matchup because somehow Cousins has looked good the past couple of weeks and have really been putting up numbers because of Thielen and Jefferson going crazy. So I'm iffy on it, but again, somebody who's available and 
hopefully won't get you negative points as I should be able to get to the quarterback. Uh, keep me the heck away from the Seahawks. That's one of the worst defenses of football. And like you said, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are really starting to click. Dalvin Cook as well. So I'm going to stay away from that one. Instead, Colts left tackle Anthony Costanzo. He's declared out. And I think the Browns pass rush might actually be able to hit home and might be able to take advantage of this Colts offensive line and get the better of Phillip Rivers. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on. That's my sleeper. But enough about defense, enough about Thursday night football. We're going to take a break and listen to the always lovely at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and come right back with the news after this. And we're back with the news, and boy howdy, it is sure a lot to keep track of heading into week five. I'm going to try my best to make the sense of all of this, but it sure is tough, so bear with me here. So New York Jets were sent home from practice Friday for what turned out to be a false positive. Best case scenario possible for everyone involved, so Jets and Jets are still on as usual against the Arizona Cardinals. Patriots and Broncos will face off on Monday evening football. They'll kick off at 5 o'clock Eastern. After the Stephon Gilmore test, tested positive earlier in the week, Patriots were not allowed to practice for a couple of days, and so they had to move the game. And this is the same reason that the Titans and Bills game has been postponed to Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Gotta love that Eastern bias. So we will get to TNF, but it's not Thursday night football. It's going to be Tuesday night football. And because of that, we're not, if the Bills play on Tuesday, we're not going to get Thursday night football this week because they play the Chiefs on Thursday and that will be postponed until Sunday. But if the Titans continue to test positive and the game is postponed again or canceled, Bills versus Chiefs will be moved back to Thursday. Did you follow that or are you confused? Because I, I sure am. Yeah, I'm confused, but let's get into something a little more important. With the Chiefs on our mind, you know, I got on. Fantasy Life app, had to ask a couple questions, and I posted earlier today because it blew me away. Clyde Edwards-Lair had 10 touches in the 20-yard line, 7 touches within the 10-yard line, and 6 within the 5-yard line week one. Since then, he has had 5 inside the 20, 2 inside the 10, and he, that's just rushing. Looking at his targets, he's only been targeted 2 times in the 20, 1 inside the 10, and 1 inside the 5. With this in mind, the real nobody asked, do we think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will ever find the end zone? I think he will find the end zone. That offense, have you seen them at the goal line? They're magicians. They have all these trick plays and stuff. Mahomes hands off a pass in front of him and it's somehow a touchdown pass. I think that that can be uh, Edwards-Hilaire one week, maybe a few weeks in. We'll see. I, I will still have faith. I don't think, he obviously, he's not bruising back and he's not going to like get get rushes in at the at the end zone, like right at the one yard line. But I think it's going to happen eventually. It will happen eventually. Like like he's the starting running back in a really good offense. It has to happen eventually. Somehow, like Jordan said, such a creative offense. It's going to happen. It's going to be a wheel route or something at worst. It it will happen. He's not going to go over 16 in touchdowns. We're going to move on to the news, though. Lamar Jackson missed Wednesday's practice with a knee issue and then missed Thursday with an illness. So as a Ravens fan and a person with anxiety, I am a little bit stressed, but I'm always stressed. So Adam Schefter has reported that Lamar Jackson will be ready on site, and he did return to practice on Friday. So for all you regular people, you don't have to worry about it. You're playing Lamar with full confidence. I'm going to just worry a little bit quietly inside. Don't worry about Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo, though. He got into practice Wednesday and Thursday. 
they, Kyle Shanahan announced him as the week five starter. Not only that, though, CJ Beathard going to serve as the backup and the QB2 for the Dolphins. So no matter what happens, it looks like we're not going to have to sit through more Nick Mullins, which is good because he had me fooled. I thought he might, was okay. Thought he might be good. Turns out he's actively bad. Got to go with uh, beat hard and, or also get beat hard, I guess, if Jimmy's out. But yeah, I, I think Beathard oh, did enough to really, uh, <laughs> I think Beathard did enough at the end of that game to uh, instill confidence in Shanahan if Jimmy's out. But yeah, I, and I don't know why he didn't have the shot in the first place. I thought he was better than Mullins, but I guess it just took them seeing how bad Mullins really was. <laughs> I think it's because Beathard was the starter last year. He got hurt and then was replaced by Mullins, and so they thought Mullins had earned the right to continue starting, even though it should have gone back to Beathard. Uh, speaking of that same mold, Tyrod Taylor has resumed practice and will be the Chargers' backup going forward. Justin Herbert won the starting job, and it sucks because Tyrod has now been benched three times. Once for Nathan, five-pick Peterman, only for a game, though, and did get that job back. But then he was traded to Cleveland and lost his job to Baker Mayfield after getting a concussion, and now he loses the job to Herbert thanks to his own doctor. So poor guy. I feel so bad. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about it, though. I mean, it sucks for Tyrod, but man, I am so happy that Herbert's there. He really seems to understand the offense and really is able to move it around pretty well. And for fantasy purposes, thank God for him, because man, Allen has seen a resurgence with him throwing him the ball. After Adam Gase bungled Sam Darnold's health and mishandled another shoulder surgery on Thursday Night Football, Darnold is out with a shoulder sprain and Joe Flacco is starting. Yeah, speaking of Adam Gase, again, real nobody came in and asked, why do we think the Jets won't fire him? And when do you think it will happen? Because it's driving me insane, and I don't understand why he still has a job. I will say I did not have Bill O'Brien as the first head coach to be fired. In my opinion, I thought it was going to be Gase or Matt Patricia, either one of those two. Kind of lean towards Gase based on how the last few games have gone. But it's either blind faith by owner Christopher Johnson or he's just being hung out to dry in order to tank this year. I think it's the latter. I think Joe Douglas, the GM, will probably replace him next season and bring in his own guy because installing interim head coach may result in more games won, especially if it is Greg Williams because we've seen Greg Williams come in on an interim basis and win games in Cleveland. So that's my guess. And then the thing is, if they get the first overall pick, what do they do there? Do they trade Darnold for whatever they can get and they start, start new with a new coach? Start over, new coach. I'm sorry, Sam, it's not your fault. But yes, we do start over with Trevor Lawrence. And uh, just to wrap things up there, uh, I think the reason that Bill O'Brien was fired is because of J.J. Watt and nothing else. If you piss off J.J. Watt, you're done. That is a scary man. Finishing up the quarterbacks, though, Drew Locke was limited Thursday with the shoulder. He's not expected to play, and it's not going to change with the postponement of the game. Brett Rippon will get the start if that happens. We'll find out for sure tomorrow. But fire up the Patriots defense, even without Stephon Gilmore, because Rippon's going to throw some interceptions once again. Next with the running backs, though, DeAndre Washington was called up from the Chiefs practice squad, and Le'Veon Bell is back to practicing and could be active against Arizona this week. Yeah, and going back to the real nobody, he had to ask, what should we do with Le'Veon Bell? You guys have any idea? Yeah, if you still roster him after his IR stint, hold on to him and pray to whatever God you believe in that he can be somewhat productive in this offense. I mean, we just talked about the Jets. They're putrid. It's, it's, <laughs> tough, it's tough to play anybody on that team besides Jameson Crowder every week. 
It really is. It Putrid is a good way to describe that offense. But yeah, you're not trading Bell. You, you still have him. You can't trade him. He's worth nothing. So with more of the running backs, though, Joe Mixon was limited with a shin on Thursday. Back at practice Friday, looks like he's going to be a full go. Cam Akers is practicing in full after missing time with a rib injury. He's going to be fired up this weekend as well. And Philip Lindsay's practicing in full. So we haven't got the, the all clear from him yet, but it looks like he has a chance to play this weekend. Also looks like Kareem Hunt is going to be able to play this weekend in full after dealing with a groin injury that limited him last week. And most importantly, Raheem Mostair returned to practice Wednesday, practiced it in limited fashion all week, and Kyle Shanahan says it's going to depend on how he feels Sunday morning. True game-time decision for Mostair. Yeah, and again, this guy just gave us a whole bunch of content because he, the real nobody asked, do we think Mostert plays and Granted, my answer comes out much later in the show. Hint, hint. What do you guys think? Oh, Jason. No spoilers. Uh, I think he plays, but I think he'll be in a limited role. We've seen with, uh, you know, that offense, they'll, they'll ride the hot hand, and I think McKinnon does. We, we saw that with the, the target share, or sorry, the, uh, the, the snap share between him and Wilson. I'd rather start McKinnon in this game. Yeah, I'm going to leave my answer for later, so that's a little bit of foreshadowing, shadowing, shadowing, shadowing. Anyway, Zach Moss was limited Thursday with the toe injury, and he was limited all of last week with that same injury. going to be really interesting to see if the extra time helps him to be active or if we're going to be full send on Singletary if this game even happens at all. Chris Carson is limited in practice with the knee sprain he suffered in week three, but he did ball out in week four against the Dolphins. Carlos Hyde is still limited with the shoulder injury and that had a missed last game, officially questionable. So Chris Carson just full go fire him up. Moving on to the outs though, Austin Eckler was finally placed on IR Friday and will miss three games, probably closer to six or more. Justin Jackson will play the Eckler receiving role. Joshua Kelly will kind of be the Melvin Gordon grinder role. Kalen Balash. Out of the practice squad should never, ever be called up, not even if there is a fire. Ugh, why did they have to sign him? Okay, this is a mess. I'm glad Eckler is finally placed on our. He needs to relax, not have to deal with any of the stress, and just work on getting better. And uh, if you can't kill Kalen Blage, you can only hope to contain him. Huh. That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, no. He's Reggie Bonifant. I, I want to move on. Stop that. <laughs> Reggie Bonifon, the backup from Mike Davis, w- was productive in week four, placed on IR with season-ending high ankle. Trenton Cannon, the 185-pound running back with a career 3.0 yards per carry, is going to be the backup alongside fullback Alex Amra. And since Mike Davis entered the game in week two, 23 targets, which is second only or third, only behind Kamara and Zeke. Extremely safe floor with the receptions, massive ceiling against the Falcons from Mike Davis. Let's Moving on to the wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins is a full participant, bothered by the ankle last week. Not an issue now. Adam Thielen got some treatment on his shoulder this week and did pop up in the injury report. Also full go. Calvin Ridley limited Thursday with thigh and knee injuries that bothered him on Monday. Resulted in that goose egg, but he is apparently full go as well. Juju Smith-Schuster limited last week in practice with a knee and Deontay Johnson limited with a toe. Missed a practice on Wednesday, but they are both apparently full go. So between the two, who are you starting, Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster? Definitely Juju. I am so pumped. He is working out of the slot, so he won't have to see Slay. And I think Johnson's going to struggle because he will. And, you know, if they continue to use Claypool in as a makeshift tight end, he could 
easily be a sneaky play, especially for DFS. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Juju for me. Steelers are intriguing because of their unexpected bye week that they're coming off of. And Deontay's targets the the two weeks before their bye, where he went from 13 to week two and then two to week three. Not sure what to expect. I oh, would... whoa, whoa. You can't say he dropped off. He got a concussion. I mean, two targets because he got a concussion. That's not his fault. He still got targeted it, it kind of in the is. game. If you can get a concussion, oh, it's kind of your fault. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> not not blaming him at all. I, I'm going with Deontay Johnson going forward. I do have them ranked right next to each other, but I do have Deontay Johnson a little bit because of that. Those targets. You were right to point out that he did miss, however, Jordan, but it was a concussion. We're not going to blame him for that. Terry McLaurin is full go after being listed on the injury report with a thigh. He played through it in week four, still managed to roast the Ravens for 118 yards on 10 receptions, even with it. But he's healthy and dealing with Jalen Ramsey and dealing with Kyle Allen. So I don't know about that. It's hard to fade Terry. He's been so great this year, but the quarterback change and with Ramsey on him, I'm not going to say bench him, but if you if you have a better option, maybe a better matchup, maybe go with it. But he's so good. He could be matchup proof. Well, he's so good. And, I mean, Allen has supported a wide receiver in DJ Moore, and they're kind of the same player, except for I think Terry has more talent. So, Oh, shots fired there. He, I'll say he's faster. He's objectively faster. I don't know about more talent, but they're Who both has very more points talented. this year, Jack? It's not a one, not a one for one equivalent whatsoever. They both do play that flanker Z role, however. So I am very excited. I do think Terry McLaurin can be the only productive person in that offense. Devontae Parker is back to practicing in full with the ankle injury. Henry Ruggs upgraded to full participant Thursday and Friday with the hamstring. So he's officially questionable, but it looks like he is going to be full go once again. Michael Thomas limited in practice Thursday and Friday with a high ankle sprain, and he gets a questionable tag since Saints play Monday night. We'll have an update on Saturday with the practice reports, so keep an eye on that to see if he's healthy. Yeah, not playing him in fantasy, though. I would much rather trust pretty much anybody else at this point. Oh, I got burned by Devontae Adams in one league. The one league I have him in, I kept him in, and he didn't play, and I had to pick up McCole Hardman in his stead. Funny how that worked out. At least he scored, though, so that did help me a a bit. It's not looking like it's going to help us in fantasy, though. Julio Jones did not participate at all this week with the hamstring, and we know Julio's a warrior. We know he's going to try and play through anything, but it keeps getting worse, and he just needs to sit like Devontae Adams did. Calvin Ridley has been cleared from the ankle injuries and knee injuries like we talked about before. But with Julio out, Lamade Zacchaeus, my friends, the all-time leader in receptions at the University of Virginia, the man caught a 93-yard touchdown in 2019, and he led the Falcons in targets last week, yards last week, and receptions last week, caught eight of nine targets, 86 yards. So learn his name now, Alamade Zacchaeus. Yes, sir. The Wizard of Oz is back in play. Even if Julio does play, I am much more into trusting him as the guy who's probably going to take over for Julio until he is a full go. I'm not touching Julio this week, if at all possible. I was on the bandwagon all offseason that he should be the starting slot receiver instead of uh, Russell Gage. I do think Alameda Zacchaeus is more talented than he is. But now with Julio out, we'll get a chance to see both of them shine and really see who the better player is. 
Odell Beckham was limited with a toe injury Thursday, and it seems like the Browns are just being cautious with their reborn star. I'm full go on Odell now. Hollywood Brown was also limited Wednesday with a knee injury. Say, it kind of sounds like the same thing, though. Managing his reps, he's questionable, but playing. Ravens kind of appear to be doing the Patriots model of injury reports. They have 12 guys who are questionable this week, so if you're nicked up at all, they're going to put you on there. 49ers, though, released Mohamed Sanu, and it seemed like Debo was back full go and is healthy. Got sick, missed Thursday, but it does sound like he's full go, so keep an eye on that tomorrow. He is questionable. Also questionable is Cole Beasley, who's limited with a foot injury on Wednesday. John Brown limited with a calf injury on Friday. And both have until Tuesday to get healthy, but you got to keep an eye on the Saturday practice report, reports out of Buffalo. A saying a lot of that today. I'd avoid both if possible, though, because with these later games, you don't have a chance to adapt. Yeah, I'm going to try and avoid starting players in this game because we don't even know if it's going to keep. It's, we don't know if it's going to be on. This game could be pulled at any time. I have Josh Allen in the league. I'm kind of worried about that, but I'm I'm keeping him for now. A question I have: since they're playing on Tuesday, do they get a Sunday practice? Is that allowed? Just because that would be like a day in between. A great question. I wish I had the answer for you, but I do not. Yeah, they kind of have to. This game's not happening, so don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna whip it out right here and just be like, "Okay, guys, seriously, not happening. (laughs) Just put an end to it." All right, we're going to move on from that because we don't know anything. LaVisca Chenault limited with a hamstring Wednesday. We do know that. And we do know that Deshaun Jackson will miss with the hamstring. Alshon Jeffrey is also going to miss. He was limited with the foot injury. Then he was sick Thursday. Now he's going to be out for the weekend. I really wonder if he's ever going to play for the Eagles this season at all. Williams did not participate Thursday. Got in a limited session Friday. So we'll see if he returns, but might be another week out for Mike Williams. And all the confirmed outs, we have Corey Davis, who placed on COVID reserve list. So the Titans don't will not have him if they do indeed play this week. Neither will Adam Humphrey, who is also on the list. But A.J. Brown is expected to make his return from a knee bruise, caused him to miss multiple games. Brown's going to get fed with, all, with both those receivers out if it, the game does take place. Washington slot receiver Steven Sims was placed on IR with a nagging toe injury and will miss at least three games. But you know who's going in, man? (laughs) No, he's not good. (laughs) Yes, he is. He's going to be great this week. I'm pumped. He's a a 31-year-old receiver who hasn't broken out ever. Stop hyping Dontrell Inman. ESPN's Rich Chimini says that it's not sounding like Rashad Perriman will play against the Cardinals. And I'm sure that Chris Herndon and his one reception in this game will have to, he'll have to give thanks to Perriman's absence. Oh, Chris Herndon digs. Hate to see it. Finally, with the receivers, KJ Hamler has been ruled out with a hamstring. To keep him with that tight end theme, though, Jordan, I do like where you're going with that. Mark Andrews, limited session with a thigh injury, but it sounds like it's the same with the Ravens. Just going to make these guys take it easy a little bit. Noah Fant, though, sounds like a long shot to play against the Patriots on Monday, and you won't have time to adapt with that thanks to an ankle injury. Dalton Schultz, on the other hand, is expected to play through the thigh injury. Jared Cook, though. We don't know. And it's another, I'm going to say it again, keep an eye on the Saturday practice reports because they do play Monday night. He's questionable with that. I don't even remember what he's injured with, and I don't really care because I don't care about Jared Cook anymore. Moving on from him, Jordan Aikens in the concussion protocol for the Texans did return to practice and hopefully will be playing. David Njoku's off the IR and is expected to make his return against the Colts. And I can't wait to see Austin Hooper fall behind him once again in the pecking order. Love that for him. 
Packers rookie tight end Josiah DeGuara suffered a torn ACL. Will miss the season. And if Big Bobby Tanyan, Robert Tanyan is on your waiver wire somehow, sash him right now. It's probably too late. Probably missed the boat, but do it if you can. Yeah, but you probably didn't miss the boat because a lot of people, I'm sure, are going to be dropping him on Sunday because they didn't realize he's on by this week. So with that in mind, I mean, if you're like me, you just wait for that to happen and pick him up and roll. There was one guy in one of my leagues that actually picked up Robert Todian and used 30% of his auction budget, and even though he's on a buy. But I can't really make fun of him because he destroyed me last week by a, a number that I won't disclose on here. So thank you, uh-huh. Daryl Henderson. Thank you for the loss. <laughs> you, you poor soul. Rounding things out with kicker news, Young Wei Koo practiced in full on Wednesday and could be back in action as an elite fantasy kicker. Outside of Koo, though, who are you looking to start this weekend, Jason? Yeah, and this is pretty easy because these are guys I've been on all off, well, I guess all season. And Randy Bullock, he's the currently the number one fantasy kicker, averaging over double digits each week. This week he gets Baltimore where I think Burrow's going to be able to move the ball, and so they should be able to get within range. I just don't know if they're actually going to be able to score any touchdown, so he's going to get a lot of use there. And then Daniel Carlson's the other guy because he's going up against the Chiefs, and they've been playing really well, and if... The Raiders can get close enough. It, literally, the dude has nailed two fifty yarders in consecutive weeks. So awesome leg, averaging over ten points a game. Perfect. I want to criticize you for your picks, but it's kickers, and I I just can't do it. My strategy was to go with Young Hui Ku and Zane Gonzalez, and I dropped Gonzalez everywhere after week one. Picked up Rodrigo Blankenship, the rising star out of Indy. Then when Ku got hurt, I once again picked up Rodrigo Blankenship, and I haven't had to think about kickers in weeks, so I'm just going to trust you on this, Jason. Yeah, I like his goggles. I will accept that you are right about these kickers, Jason. And with that, we will kick it to a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat shootout, rapid fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup. I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve 
you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. What a lovely sounding duo right there. And we are back and we are ready for my least favorite segment of each and every week. And it's a segment where Jason takes control. Help us all. But before I relinquish those powers, I just want to remind everyone how this works. So for quarterbacks, our trusted players that are outside the top 12 in Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Ranking or starting in under 50% of leagues. But for our bus, QBs inside the top 12 of the ECR that are, we're expecting to miss expectations. So with that, it's time. The worst segment of the week, trust or bust with the nerd. Yeah, you're just salty. It's all good. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> salty. So we'll start with quarterback trust. It's Justin Herbert. If you didn't know, I am doing a waiver wire YouTube show. Pretty much. I'm hoping to do it weekly. We'll see how it ends up going, but should be out late Monday, early Tuesday. He is averaging just under 20 points per game. Perfect. Love it. This week, I feel like he has another shot with confidence of the coaching staff behind him. I mean, with Tyrod having accidentally having a punctured lung, I think, the coaches finally have relinquished it and are trusting Herbert to do because he's able to move the offense. He looks good in it, and I like him even more if the secondary of the Saints is out again. Yeah, and so I am a little bit worried that he does struggle against a good Saints D, but to your point, their secondary is very banged up. Marshall and Lattimore might be out. If he's out, Keenan Allen is going to feast. And we did also see him ball against a strong Tampa Bay defense last week. So Justin Herbert has a chance to hit in this one. Yeah, I agree. I like Herbert this week, and I like him even more now with uh, the vote of confidence that Anthony Lynn gave him. As you said, Jack, the Saints secondary is very banged up. And with Eckler hurt, he could have a big game with throwing more. I'm playing the Saints D reluctantly in one of my leagues, so I, I, hate, I hate to say this, but yeah, it could be a good game for Herbert. Yep. So moving on to the next player, guess who's back? Back again, it's Jared Goff, who I was down on last week because he, of the matchup, I was worried. And I actually can see this game potentially being a shootout. Allen will be able to move the ball with McLaurin and Inman, Thomas, and Gibson, who's really coming on. While the team struggles to score, Goff will capitalize. McVay stated was not happy with how the offense was being run. So just a side note, Sean, you should have stopped riding the hot hand and give the ball to Henderson. What are you doing? Sorry. Okay, back to, back to normal here. Also, there should be a week that I would say is similar to the one he had against the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. So a couple things there. First of all, I have never seen you get angry like that before. I'm kind of scared about all the things I've been saying to you and poking and prodding I've been doing lately. I don't want to be on the receiving end of that yelling ever again, but I do have to disagree with you on one thing. And that's Kyle Allen will not move the ball. He is bad. He's worse than Haskins. Aside from that though, I do think golf is going to have a lot of success here. We saw the big rebound from Lamar Jackson last week. I think it's golf. Now I think he's going to have a lot of success to Cooper cup and Robert Woods as always. And we saw Mark Andrews score those two touchdowns. Tyler Higby could be in line for another big day as well. 
Yeah, Goff does have value in this matchup, especially if you have Rodgers or Stafford and he happens to be there on your waiver wire. But then again, it is Jared Goff, so you never know what you're actually going to get. But this is a matchup that I would kind of break the exception on trusting Jared Goff. Yeah, and I completely understand. But it's tough to do, and so we're moving to bus here. While I had Tom Brady here, but of course, he already played. Ah, so frustrating. Another player I am off again, I'm going to say it, is Kyler Murray. I know I missed <laughs> last week, but it was a down week for him. I mean, I'm counting it as a win because he did end up putting up less points than he has been putting up, and I think this week is a similar issue. On the same note, I am hoping that Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds get it going this week in a great matchup for them both. You, you got to stop this, man. Stop telling people to sit Kyler Murray against bad defenses. Rushing, like, yes, he did see a drop-off. His passing wasn't great, but the rushing upside is just too high, and the Jets are just too bad. You have to play Kyler Murray this week, and I just don't trust Kenyon Drake to get this going. I'm kind of leaning into the Chase Edmonds breakout. Yeah, Jason, I can't co-sign this. Murray had 23 points last week, and that was considered a down game. Give me that all day. Also, it's the Jets. Don't be, don't be foolish. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not trying to do this, all right? <laughs> but moving on to the next guy, a player I was high on the offseason because I thought he was going to explode with all the town around him has gone missing. Matt Ryan needs a healthy Julio Jones. Without Jones, Ryan looks completely lost. It's almost a Sam Darnold situation where he's seeing ghosts. And while Ridley had great weeks in week one and week two, I'm not trusting Ryan until Julio is a full go because Ridley disappeared last week and the only person had any kind of fantasy day was the Wizard of Oz. So yeah, until Julio has two full practices on consecutive days, I am not playing Ryan. See, this hurts because they are playing the Panthers and I do really like Matt Ryan, but the Falcons team just hasn't been good in general. I'm still like... I'm not completely fading Ryan, but to that point, I am going to take the man on the other sideline, Teddy two gloves over him. We all know my bias towards Teddy, but I'm relatively down on Ryan. He's my QB 11 this week, so I'm not completely sitting him, but I'm trying not to. I think my rageful, rageful bias has forced me to slightly agree with you, Jason. After he shut out Calvin Ridley on Monday night, I wasn't asking for a lot, just a few catches. Like He was still targeted. All I needed was a few receptions. I still won that matchup, but still, I digress. It, it would be tough to actually sit Ryan, though. He, the matchup is fairly tantalizing, but if you have a better option, then maybe. And so we're going to move on to running backs now, but before we get into that, just a reminder, our trusted of the players that are ranked outside the top 24 in the expert consensus ranking that are playing this week, and our busts are the players that are ranked inside the top 24 that were fading this week. Yeah, and my first trust is somebody I hinted at earlier, and it's Raheem Mostert. With him potentially playing, I'm going to give him full confidence. You must play him. He only needs over 10 touches in this offense to have a great day. He's such an explosive player and has a ton of talent. I mean, you saw what McKinnon can do with that. At the same point, I realize McKinnon is still there, but there is no Coleman. There is no need for Wilson with Mostair being back, and I think that the two are interchangeable and are going to be a great one-two punch. Dolphins also give up the fifth most points to the running backs, so something to keep in mind, and at the same time, the Dolphins have only faced one true workhorse back in James Robinson. They also played the Patriots, Seahawks, and Bills, which all are committees, and were able to put up decent points, so something to keep in mind 
on and the fact that I think Mustair will also have a great week. Love when foreshadowing finally takes flight. We're finally here. We're finally arrived at my take. I'm all in on McKinnon this week. Full go on him. Little bit down on Mostair because of it. I think they're going to bring him back slowly because in week four, McKinnon played 91.8% of the snaps, took 82% of the backfield carries, and had a 90, 19% target share for the entire team. He proved he can handle that bell cow role. And in the future, I think they're going to go back to the full committee. With Moster being eased back in, though, I think he's this week's Jeff Wilson. I think he's going to be more in the four to eight touch range, so I'm not really looking to play him this week. After he proves it, though, full send on both these players. Love this backfield. Yeah, I mentioned before early in the episode that I would rather play McKinnon. I would wait a week on Moster just because we're not sure how how many target or how many touches he will get. And also, you can never rule out the Jeff Wilson Jr. touchdown. The vulture touchdown. Just when you think he's never going to get it, he'll get it. He'll be there on the goal line, and he will take away those points from McKinnon. Or Moster. Or Kevin Coleman. Yeah, and that's a great point. But, I mean, I'll move on to the next trust, and it's Damian Harris or James White. I'm kind of confused here because I like Harris. I think he actually did really solid, but I think he'll be even more successful if Cam goes. I'm not 100% sure here, but if Sedum or Hoyer are at QB, I think James White is another huge go for me. I mean, he saw eight targets, caught seven of them, 438 yards. He also had three carries, and I'm hoping that Harris becomes the lead guy because he showed he could handle the load and led in touches his first game. So huge excitement around the player. I'm just hoping he continues to roll. I wouldn't get too infatuated with his stat line. Of course, he he put up a lot of yards against the Chiefs. Might not happen again with the way the Patriots are. We could see more Burkhead. I do think James White is the the right play here if you're going to play running back in this offense just because he's got that PPR upside if you play in PPR. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would actually play Harris comfortably this week. Yeah, and I, I kind of co-sign that because Chris Jones is back for the Chiefs, and that scares me especially. So I do think it's going to end up being more of a James White game, no matter who, because I think they are going to struggle to run. Let's hear about your bust, though. All right. Miles Sanders. I don't know if you guys know, but the Eagles are top of the NSF and FC East. Wow. Carson Wentz has no one to target outside of Ertz, who is struggling, and Ward who shows he cannot be the wide receiver one. With that, it seems the teams are stacking the box against him. It also doesn't help that the Steelers had a week off and are a top 10 overall defense. The team also only allows 15.9 fancy points to running backs, or the third best against the run behind only the Colts and the 49ers. I'm also confused because when the team went into a two-minute drill, the team put in Boston Scott and Corey Clement. I don't know what is going on in Philadelphia, but man, do they need help. I am off of him for the foreseeable future. So it's concerning that he went off the field at the end of the game, still played 77% of snaps, though, 72% of the backfield's carries, and had four targets, which also led the backfield. Concerning Scott and Clement were in to end the game, but neither had a target for the entire game. And the only running back outside of Sanders that did was Adrian Killens had one target for, and had two yards. So opportunities there for Sanders based on volume, he's going to be at least an RB two. I can't sit him because of that. His ceiling is significantly lowered, but I can't sit him still an RB two. 
yeah, the opportunity share still gives me confidence about playing him. But just exactly like Jack said, it's more of an RB2. Ex- expect those numbers because it, this is a tough matchup. Uh, the Steelers' rush defense is, is solid. It's legit. Fine. I have somebody that you guys will like even better. Melvin Gordon, after being all on Gordon last week, pumped to play him. I am off of him this week. I think he will struggle with the return of Lindsay. Well, Lindsay, he loses some of the work. And on top of that, he faces the Patriots defense who are sixth best against the run. Yikes. And the Patriots shut down Josh Jacobs and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They had Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill to take the pressure off them, respectively. Gordon has Jerry Judy, who's a rookie, and Tim Patrick to help him. No Sutton, no KJ Hamler, probably no Fant, and no QB since they're probably starting Rickian again. So fade hard here. Yeah, and his stat line against the Jets was a little misleading, I feel. Yes, he won over 100 yards, and yes, he had two touchdowns, but one was a goal line score after a couple attempts and a long review. And the 43-yard touchdown he scored at the end just propped up his score. And like you said, with Lindsey taking away stats from him, and most importantly, taking stats away from Royce Freeman. It lowers his ceiling significantly, and the matchup sucks. So, yeah, I, I'm on the fade trade for Melvin Gordon this week. So, as with our running backs, our receivers in the trust section are those who rank outside the top 36 that we recommend playing. Bust are players who rank inside the top 36 who aren't expected to. All right, so moving into the trust here. T. Higgins, going against a team that is the 14th best matchup for fantasy wide receivers, giving up 36.1 points. Granted, this team went up against the Chiefs, but with the volume of players on the outside, I think Higgins will be the guy Burrow focuses on. He's a big threat. He's one of the bigger guys, and I'm hoping the team will end up focusing on Green because that's who the star is. I'm hoping that Bill gets kind of confused here, and the vol- if not, the volume can really save Higgins because Burrow trusts him. See, because they're facing the Ravens, it's going to be a no for me. So week one, we had Odell and Landry combined for 73 yards. Brandon Cooks had 95 yards in garbage time in week two. Cobbs and Stills were useless, though. And then the Chiefs were the outlier. Hill had 77 in a score. Hardman had 81 in a score. And then they faced the team, Terry McLaurin, 10 for 118. So it seems like these smaller, leaner, speedster kind of guys are the ones performing. And T. Higgins is not that. He's a pterodactyl, not going to get any separation in this game. So we're looking more at like a Dontrell Inman, 4 for 29 against the Ravens. Jason, thank you very much. Yeah, the only player on the Bengals that I feel good about playing this week would probably be Mixon, and that's kind of tepid i'd say it's not completely hot t higgins alike for the rest of the season i think that he's definitely taking targets away from aj green making him insignificant but t higgins this week like jack said against the ravens not really i don't really feel good about that i'm sorry that's fine maybe you guys will like this next one better debo samuel going up against the dolphins who allow 41.4 fantasy points to the wide receiver With Debo, I think he is a wide receiver one on his team. And while he is being eased in, I think his talent makes him a viable option this week. It helps that he's going against Noah Guy. I hate his last name. Uh, Anogony. I'll save you there. Perfect. Who has given up some big plays, including my shot call last week of David Moore, who went three for 98 and a touchdown. Could easily see this happening again for Debo. When I was worried about Debo, I was worried, but turns out he was just a little under the weather. Not worried about the foot anymore, but I still do prefer Ayuk. And I know Debo is the guy I was in on all offseason. Love both, but Ayuk just has that extra speed, that extra 
burst. And so because of that, in when they're both going to be lim- getting limited targets, I'm going with the guy who's faster, more explosive, and can get a bigger chunk play. And both, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Jason when he said that they were easing Debo back in. I think there's great value in this matchup, and hopefully he's back up to speed. I'm not as high as Ayuk as Jack is, but Jimmy is playing this week. He could be a sneaky flex play, but Debo, I think, is on the cusp of bust start. Yeah, and moving into bust, I mean, I think Jack's going to co-sign this pretty quickly, but I will be putting in Tyler Boyd here. While I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a touchdown, there you go. I am worried about his matchup the most. He gets Marlon Humphrey, who has done very well this year against the slot. He is fast and capable, may end up losing a touchdown to Sample, Higgins, and Joe Mixon in much easier defensive matchups. Yeah, agree, sit him. Like what we already talked about, it's skinny speedsters that are doing work against the Ravens. Landry did nothing out of the slot. Randall Cobb did nothing out of the slot. And Isaiah Wright, who's a Steven Sims replacement, also did nothing out of the slot. Slot receivers versus the Ravens are no thanks. Yeah, I am fading every Bengals wide receiver this week, as I just said with Higgins. We all know you love Higgins, but I can't get on board with that. Uh, but Boyd, I, if I had to play a wide receiver in that offense, it would be Boyd, but I'm not because I don't own any Boyd because I am a smart player. Yeah, I just, I, I agree with this. Yeah, and the next one's really easy. Jarvis Landry, I'm putting out another missing persons report because, man, he has not been anywhere to be found. Landry has been struggling, and it's still a tough matchup against the Colts. The Colts Colts are only allowing 31.5 points to the wide receiver. This team is a run first, and Landry, while he had a decent week because of a passing touchdown last week, he has been tossed to the wayside with the tight end for the Browns. It is a run and Odell Beckham Jr.'s team. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought him up there because, yeah, completely agree. We're not playing Jarvis Landry. He's been bad this season, and the Colts defense has been good. Not much more to say about that. This is the one year I was actually down on Landry. It had a little bit to do with his injury, but I was glad I was right. I don't, I don't have him in any leagues. It's unfortunate, though, that his lack of production seems to be more about how the offense is run, no pun intended, rather than Landry's abilities. But you know what? Maybe he'll throw a touchdown pass to Austin Hooper this week. Who knows? So finally, for our bust, we have tight ends. Remember, tight end trust is players that are top 12 and we think should be starting while our bust are players ranked inside the top 12 that we're sitting. Yeah, and starting off with trust, it's Greg Olson. I mean, he's been steadily consistent week in and week out. He gets a suspect secondary and has really been someone that Russell Wilson seems to trust. I mean, he has only had one quote-unquote bad game, and that was against the Patriots. So taking out that one game, he's put up over 10 points per game, which I am all for for a tight end option. Yep, that's all you can really ask for your tight ends. He did actually leave the Seahawks last week in targets, but obviously that's probably an anomaly. Uh, Hopefully Russ can get him involved and make him reliable off for the rest of the season. I think that'd be pretty good for fantasy owners alike. Yeah, and I think the next one's, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but it's Eric Ebron. He's slowly been catching Big Ben's eye more and more. Being forced on a bye, they had more time to prepare. He had his high for for the team. Like, for his Time with the team, he has gone, so this past week, 5-4-7 for 52 yards and a touchdown was last week. So I'm pretty pumped for him, and this week he's facing an Eagles team that allows the third most points to tight end, 21.1, okay? But these tight ends have included George Kittle, Tyler Higby, who went 5 for 54 and three touchdowns, Logan Thomas, who went 4 for 37 and one touchdown. I'm thinking there's a chance here. 
You know what, Jason? I'm a company man, so I have to discourage all Ebron hype. I also am just not a fan of Ebron, especially what he did to the Colts. I digress. There's too many mouths to feed. Maybe if Deontay Johnson goes to the concussion protocol again, he might be reliable. He could snag a red zone touchdown, but I, I wouldn't play him. I'll be the tiebreaker here, and I'm playing him because I wrote about him in DFS this week. So I got to do it. Let's go. So moving into bus, it's Hayden Hurst. Also has a tough matchup. The missing report being filed out for Ryan. I'm off of Hurst. He could easily be the leading target, but I am not risking it. The inconsistency of his targets are not ideal. The Panthers are also no slash against the tight end, only allowing 9.8 fantasy points to the tight end. Having seen Waller, who put up 6 for 45, Gronk, Howard, and Brait, who went 1 for 11, Henry, 5 for 50, and Dan Arnold, 4 for 39, who, if you didn't know, he plays for the Cardinals. I'm so glad you've come over to the light side, and you're now in on the fact that Hayden Hurst is and always was a bust. Thank you very much, Jason. I would feel better about Hurst if Julio was ruled out, but Hurst is not living up to his expectations, so it's... It's it's tough to really trust, but I mean it's tight end. So if he can give you just three or four catches, forty yards, that's really all you can ask for. And that's going to do it for us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. So thank you to Jordan for the return. I'm a lot calmer to end the show than normal because you've really helped keep Jason in line. Always very appreciated. So any parting words for all your countless adoring fans out there? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I had a fun time. Just make sure to uh, stay safe and. If you're uh, if you're Canadian, like two thirds of this podcast is right now, have a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Huh. So don't forget to follow Jordan everywhere at Donald McJordan. And if this guy can manage Jason, just think about what he can do to manage his fantasy team. So thank you very much for joining me, and thank you, Jason, for all the fire knowledge you dropped on us today. You didn't get too crazy, so color me impressed, my friend. Do you have anything to say for all those in the audience that have tuned in just to hear what comes out of that big, beautiful brain of yours? Nah, man, I'm just excited for the weekend. I'm hoping all these games go as planned, except for the Titans, which I'm pretty sure is canceled. So other than that, I'm ready for football. Don't forget to follow Jason everywhere at that FF nerd. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review if you've enjoyed the show. And if you haven't, once again, at that FF nerd, he will take all of your complaints, your critiques, and your grievances. So make sure you check out all the hard work that the staff has been creating on the daily over at importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsenseff. So many intelligent content creators at Important Nonsense, you don't want to miss a word from them. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and it has been my honor to help preview the week five slate for you. Stay safe, wear a mask, Tune in Monday morning to the Important Nonsense Sunday recap show. And most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!